So we're going to start this morning uh, considering Genesis, or sorry, uh, Exodus chapter 20 together. And it's neat because if you consider like the scroll of Exodus, it does weave together stories of divine actions and conversations around those actions. It opens up uh, really for us, you know, with an absent God, doesn't it? And it's just like, hey, we have the children of Israel. and Where are they? Where do we find them in the beginning of Exodus? Man, they're in the world. They're in Egypt. They're slaves. Where's God? Here's God's people. <laughs> this is the one what God has for his people, wants for his people. Where is he? Okay? But we can quickly see, guys, okay, God becomes very present. We studied through the ten plagues of destruction, um, and we can quickly see that these plagues really are bringing deity um, into the picture. Okay? Um, and we're going to see some of the different things as a result of some of the job descriptions that God has. He's wanting to reveal himself to us, right? And we get that revelation by his word. I don't know if you guys are so blessed to have the word of God in your hands this morning. Man, God would love us that much to actually speak to us, <laughs> give us his word. So he makes covenants, guys, practices, in really a radical commitment of mercy is what we find throughout the scriptures. So let's also remember that Exodus doesn't provide all the answers of who God is. But there's 65 other books in the Bible, aren't there? <laughs> That's the beauty. Um, so our attitude really should be is we approach Exodus, okay? Um, not to be like a technician holding uh, God under a microscope, but really more like a poet who's really trying to find words to him who is inexpressible. You guys ever struggle with that? God is so other, <laughs> so beyond us. It's hard to explain. You know, that's one of the struggles I have in preaching. You know, I see what the word is. It's so clear. God has revealed so much, but how can I best explain that? And there's just some things because God is so other and so big, I can't find the words. I can't express those words. So as we go through the scriptures, guys, we're going to uh, be able to see more of who he is and what he's chosen to reveal to us. And so much of the Ten Commandments is really revealing to us more of his nature, his attributes, what he's like. So I want to catch up a little bit, if you guys recall, back to chapter 19, God made a covenant with the entire nation, okay, and that is who? Israel, right? Making certain promises to them, and they would have certain obligations as his servants. So they need to know how to conduct themselves and how they should live as God's people, and as a people who had relationship with the living God, they had to act a certain way. Do you guys know which way that is? God's way. We don't pull God down and say, hey, we're in this relationship. You need to be like me. You're going to go with what I want. No, God pulls us up. He ain't going to change. He doesn't change. Okay? He is holy, and he's called us to be what? Holy as I am holy. And because of Christ, guys, we can do that. We've been set free to be exactly who God's created us to be. So the nature of these Ten Commandments are, they're or, they originated with God. 
Okay, we got to understand this. This is God's deal. Okay, they also express his will towards his people. They are commands. <laughs> They're not suggestions, right? Okay, like the first one, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. Well, <laughs> is that a suggestion? Because I kind of want to worship this over here. You know, I, I think a lot of people would rather have their own suggestions for God rather than taking God at what he has declared to be truth, what he commands of his creation. Also, guys, I love the commandments because they're very clear, okay? We just went through them with our children, okay? Did you guys see how simple they are? They're very clear. They're not confusing. God tells us exactly what he wants. Also, they are the only, there's only 10 of them, and they establish a healthy fear for you and I of our creator because he is holy. He is set apart. Now, let's take a read together through the first 11 verses, and this is all we're going to get through today. In verse 1, it says here, And God spoke all these words. So this is God speaking the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God. So he makes it very clear who he is. I am the Lord. There's no question. Well, who's God? <laughs> he says, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water or under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not, or you should do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. Wow. So our goal, guys, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, is to know and to worship God. That's the goal. You see, in chapter, this chapter really lays out for you and I, you know, ways that we can really learn um, that God is moral. Okay, what does that mean for you and I? Well, he shows us his morality through these commandments. Okay, his judicial law. It's always existed, but now it's codified. Do you guys understand that? It's always been there. But guys, you're like, hey, this is very clear. I'm going to speak to you. I am the Lord, and this is what I command. So to understand this judicial law, he gives us examples in uh, a lot of examples and applications to his different ceremonial law in the following chapters. One example, say when your ox goes and kills someone, how will you be accountable to that? 
Well, that's a civil, that's a simple, very like civil application of the sixth commandment, right? Against murder. So uh, negligent homicide is wrong because of the sixth commandment. And we're going to see that as we go through the rest of Exodus and the rest of the law of Moses. So I want to consider and I want to start with Jesus, okay? Always a good place to start because the volume of the book is about him, okay? Now, I want to take a look. You guys can jot down with me. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31, okay? A religious teacher asked, which commandment is the most important of all? First, most important, first in rank. Which one is it, Jesus? Well, Jesus answered in verse 29 and said, the most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there is no other commandment greater than these. Wow. (laughs) Really, Jesus? Love? As we consider the Ten Commandments together, okay, you're just loving are you going to be doing the commandments of god yeah pretty simple huh so jesus in the new testament speaks to the ten commandments okay two recognizable sections okay again the first four loving god and then the sixth through the tenth guys is loving man and i want to take a side note because i want us to consider the fifth one you guys remember what number five is Mom and dad, I'm doing it backwards. There you go, five. (laughs) What is it? Honor your mom and dad, right? So it's kind of like a bridge when it comes to parents. There's a link there because the reverence that you are to give, you know, to them, to your mom and dad, it really relates closely to the reverence to the ultimate source of life, and that being God himself. So the new commandment of love is a basic motivation for, our, <laughs> for us as Christians today. This has got to be it. Our old nature knows no law, and the new nature needs no law. Think about that. Has God not by the Holy Spirit, when you're born again of the Spirit, shed abroad in your heart the love of God? Think about that, guys. We come into a relationship. We've known no greater love. God demonstrated his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We looked to the cross. Wow. God didn't just say he loved us. He showed us he loved us. And it's my kids. You're a new creation. I'm going to take your heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart that is alive. You are going to be able to love others like I love unconditionally. Well, they don't think the way I think. They're immoral people. That's us. God loved us. Now we're in him. And we get to do the same thing, to love sacrificially. The world don't love unless they're going to get something out of it. We just get to love because that's part of our Father's nature. It's beautiful. I love it. Don't you guys love the gospel? changes everything. You guys understand the gospel transcends everything. You think about how many laws and regulations there are in different religions in the world. 
you know, just even in the different nations of the world, trying to keep everything together. We got to make our people do this and do that, and it'll work out. Is it working out? No. But what if all of mankind would just do what God's asked us to do? Love me, love others. Wow. Things would kind of work out, wouldn't it? Pretty cool. So the law. Dennis Prager said the law in 3,000 years, no one has ever come up with a better system than that God based the Ten Commandments for making a better world, and no one ever will. I agree with him. I mean, this is so simple. A lot of people, oh, it can't just be this. Really? The Big Ten, if we just did that, things would work out? Uh, Yeah. Also, we consider the law, it's known as the law of Moses, the Mosaic you know, system, the law of God. It's also referred to as the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. It's something the Jewish people highly esteem. It's all about keeping the rules, the law. So to speak of, you know, considering the law of Moses, it is the moral law, and always referring back to the Ten Commandments. The ceremonial law, the types and the symbols that are found in these different sacrificial systems that we're going to learn a whole lot about in the months to come. We also see the civil law, meaning that everyday laws that govern our lives as people. So why the ten laws? Well, actually there's 613 of them if you actually study the whole Old Testament. There's a bunch more to it, but they all come back to the ten Commandments. So all of the Old Testament law is but an application, okay, um, and an amplification of these Ten Commandments. So the 613 fit into four basic categories, one being holiness, okay, to set them apart from all other peoples, all other nations, okay. You are to be holy, set apart. Also for justice, to treat everyone well, right, Amigo Day. We've been made in the image of God. Everyone has worth. Okay? And because of that, we need to treat them rightly. We need to love them rightly. And then there's sacrifice. Those are ritual uh, symbols that connect them to God. And then uh, time, there's sacred time there. Um, I think of number seven of keeping... um, or sorry, there's seven different things that God lays out when it comes to these different rituals, okay? Um, We have all the different feasts, keeping the Sabbath. There's different examples of that that we're going to get into. So the law does not save sinners. You guys know that? Okay, if you're thinking you're getting to heaven because you're a good person, you've bought into the biggest lie of Satan. Big lie. And most people you ask, do you know if you're going to heaven? Yeah, I'm a good person. Oh, (laughs) You're listening to Satan, the father of lies, okay? None of us are good enough, okay? We can't get to heaven by being good. There's only one good. There's only one Savior, and that is Jesus. So law doesn't save us, okay? It only reveals God's holiness and man's need for salvation. So there is a place for the law, okay? I love what the Apostle Paul said. Hey, I wouldn't know I was covetous unless that was a commandment. You know, and how many times do we think things are just okay? You know, it's okay to lie because is that really going to hurt somebody? It might protect somebody. Lying's a good thing. Everybody else does it. 
No. <laughs> God says lying's wrong. Guess what? Lying's wrong. <laughs> so we need salvation. The law acts as a mirror to show us that we're dirty and how dirty we are, but it does not provide the cleansing we need. Okay. How many of you guys get so discouraged looking at yourself? Oh man. <laughs> I keep failing. I fall short. Okay. I'm dirty. It shows us who we are. And it shows us our need of a savior. I need Jesus because in Christ I'm forgiven. In Christ I am cleansed. In Christ I'm holy. Even if I'm feeling dirty, I'm holy because of him. He is my righteousness. It's not me. It's him. That's the beauty of the gospel, guys. Um, the first divine command in the Bible, do you guys remember what it was? It wasn't kept. Don't eat from the tree. Right? One command. One. Don't. You will die. Thanks, Grandpa and Grandma. <laughs> the law was written on tablets of stone, but under the new covenant, God writes his word on our hearts. I love it. So to me, guys, the best definition of the law is that it is an invitation for us to trust God's wisdom. Do you trust God that his ways are better, that he is wiser than us? Absolutely. Okay? And the law is for us today. Some Christians say, hey, why aren't we hanging in the New Testament? Aren't we New Testament saints? The volume of the book is about who? Jesus. That includes all the books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Malachi, and the New Testament. So, I love God's wisdom. So let's consider this morning how to worship God. God. So he is to be the object of our worship. And that's the first commandment. Again, let's take a look here. And God spoke these words saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not have any other gods before me. So you shall have no other gods before me. Did you guys say there are a lot of gods today? Oh yeah. People worship a lot of things. So according to verse 1, these are God's words. God spoke all of these words. And then in verse 2, guys, we see this is who he is. I am the Lord your God. He's making it very clear who's doing the speaking. So the Ten, ten Commandments are predicated, guys, on the belief that they were given on authority higher than any man, okay, than any king, any government, because it came right from God. And this speaks to monotheism. The Egypt, in Egypt, guys, you remember, uh, God could have just, you know, went, you know, straight to the 10th plague, right? <laughs> you know, you guys are done. Your firstborn's gone. And you guys understand the firstborn son, I mean, that's the legacy, okay? They were given the birthrights the blessings of the family. You know, he could have just obliterated, you know, all the Egyptian gods right then. But it wasn't just about getting the Hebrews out of Egypt, but getting Egypt out of the Hebrews. God was in a process. He was doing these things purposely. So the Ten Commandments worship in the nature of who God is. 
and think about that. As we consider what God has done with the children of Israel thus far, he set them free. As your pastor, I think the number one prayer that I have for our church family, and this has been a prayer for as long as we've been a church, is, Lord, help my brothers and sisters, help me to be free, to be free to do all that you've called us to do, to be free to be who we've been created to be, to really live in freedom. Wasn't it for freedom's sake that Jesus came? That's what the scriptures tell us. And we're to live in that freedom, guys. But we can't do that apart from his way. Because anything outside of his way is just going to bring bondage. Well, it's kind of a buzzkill to follow God because i got to do things his way then. I, I like my ways. I like a little sin in my life. I like being on my own throne of my life and calling my own shots and, and doing whatever my flesh wants because sin is fun for a season have you guys ever read that somewhere was that a bumper sticker oh that was in the word of god that's right (laughs) it is fun but it brings destruction guys might be fun for a short time but god's ways are better than ours and he is wiser than we are so to be set free that's what christ has done for us that's the reality of the gospel but I have to ask you, brother and sister, and it's something I ask myself often, am I living in that freedom? There's a difference from having it <laughs> and then actually living it. You guys understand that? We're actually living out that freedom. Also, guys, I believe when it comes to the Ten Commandments, it's, it's for our protection. Okay? Um, I might be the only one, but I'm foolish. I might be the only one, but I've learned the hard way many times in my life. I remember as a young man, loving Jesus, on fire for Jesus, and doing a lot of stupid stuff. I'm like, why am I doing this? Broken, repenting again over the same stupid stuff, the same sin, so easily being ensnared. There's finally like a humbling surrender, a true brokenness, okay? I still struggle with sin, but there was, there was a time where I was just on my knees and truly broken before God, and I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I'm sick of learning the hard way. I don't even understand all of your ways, but I trust you, Father. I trust your word. And I'm going to choose just to listen because I'm sick of getting hurt. You guys understand, God's ways are there to protect us. How many of you guys put a fence up in your yard when you had children? Like, oh, time to lock them in, right? And why do we do that? It's for their protection, right? Little dudes, I don't know. It's just like, oh, you're so... You're learning to walk. That's just the cutest thing. Oh, you fell down. You know, and like two minutes later, they're running. Like it happens so fast. You know, you turn around and just like, whoa, where'd dude go? He's in the road. 
So I spank his butt. We've talked about this, son. We don't go on the road. You need some discipline. And as a good dad, I want my kids to be able to play with their balls outside. I don't want them chasing after a ball into the road. So I put a fence up. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to keep some bad stuff out <laughs> and keep them in that they don't get hurt. And that's kind of how I feel when it comes to the commandments of God. He's not trying to be a buzzkill and keeping us from fun. He's wanting to protect us. Do you guys get that? He loves us and he's protecting us. And that's why his ways are good. And when we consider the law, okay, big picture now. It's all about who? It's all about Jesus, guys. That's what this is about. It all points us to him, our need of him, okay? Even in his last breaths before he laid down his life for you and I on that cross, what did he declare? It's finished. He didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. He did what you and I couldn't do, what no human being throughout history could do. He lived the perfect, sinless life. He fulfilled it all. Therefore, he could be that perfect sacrifice to die in our place. Behold the Lamb of God, the sacrifice who's going to take away the sins of the world without spot, without blemish. Perfect Lamb of God. Perfect sacrifice. It's all about him. That's why the law is needed. The reality of the gospel is we are sinners. You know? Oh, they're a good person. No, they're not. We're all sinners. And that's what the law does. I mean, look at the Big Ten here, guys. <laughs> Have anyone, just one of you, there are a lot of us here today, Any, just one of you keep all of them. Any of you guys kept the Ten Commandments? Just one of you. We're looking. Okay. How about if we scratched one of the commandments? Any of you guys do nine? We've blown them all. I mean, I look at the list. It's just like, wow, I never committed adultery on Sonny. Well, my God, Jesus, who is God, by the way, said, hey, if you lust for a woman, you've committed adultery in your heart. What does God look at? The heart. Oh, crud. I didn't kill anybody. Well, if you're angry with your brother, guess what? You've committed murder. We're guilty, guys. And that's why the law brings us to Jesus. It's all about him. So the next question is, how should we interpret and study the law then? Before we get in, to the Ten Commandments deeply, okay? How should we view the things called law? Because we have Jesus, rabbi, teacher, right? He says, you can jot down Luke 24, 44, and he says, everything written about me in the law of Moses, right? Okay, and who wrote the law? Moses. It must be fulfilled. It's gotta be fulfilled. And he's the one who did it. He's the only one who did it. It's all about me. So why do people who are set free not live free? I think that's the logical next question and application that we got to take from this. Well, if Christ fulfilled it, if he did it, why don't we do that? 
Well, I think the first question is we've got to ask is, do you actually know Jesus? It starts there. Are you born again? Because once you're born again, guess what? We can do the math. Once we're some of you, <laughs> but you're no longer held by that. Christ fulfilled the law. He's set you free. Now you get to walk in the newness of life. Do you guys understand that? We don't have to sin anymore. We may have a sin nature, but guess what? We have the spirit of the living God now in us. And yeah, they may not like each other, and there might be a lot of fighting between the two, but we have a choice. Okay? God's way or our way? Am I going to believe what he says? The cool thing is, if you do know Jesus, you're already changed. A lot of people look to the law. That's what I need. That's what will change me. Law can't change you guys. Can't change anybody. It just reveals to us that we need a Savior. And when you come to know the Savior, then what happens? You're changed. Okay? It's so cool. Um, how many of you guys can testify? It's good to testify. How many have been changed by Jesus? He changes people. Okay? We know who we were. Okay? If you guys want to know who I was, you can talk to my mom and dad. They can tattle, which is sin. <laughs> we're changed. Let's look at the second commandment together. Um, this is the limitations of our worship as we consider verses 4 and 6 here. And this is the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath, that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God. Well, isn't that kind of petty? You're jealous? Really, God? Now, let's talk about that for a second. Now, let me finish the rest of this. I'm a jealous God, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and the fourth generations to those who hate me and showing steadfast love. Think about that, guys. Steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Wow. So, do you guys think it's okay for God to be jealous? He says he's a jealous God, Okay. Um, to make this practical, okay? Um, I got to church earlier than my wife today. She came later. Now, if Sonny showed up with a boyfriend, I think I'd be a little jealous. I feel bad for the boyfriend. He'd be in trouble. <laughs> but I'd be jealous. When we come into relationship with God, we are the bride of Christ. He's jealous for his people. You're not to worship any other gods. We're, we're exclusive here. <laughs> this is the one relationship. You can't have me and other gods. Does that make sense? And it's out of a love for his bride. It's in that context of his, it's not, because we want to read this and we think about our jealousy. Oh, so unfair. Why don't I have that? <laughs> it's coming from a selfish place, you know. But his jealousy is coming from this covenant, okay, this relationship, this commitment, okay. So it's one of those things, I love that he's jealous, and I love that he shares that with us here. 
So he prescribes how we can honor God. And he says how he wants us uh, to worship him, how to be worshipped. And he prohibits idolatry. You know, Aren't you guys glad we're not idolatrous? You know, we live in America. American Idol. Because <clears throat> um, don't we think about idols as, you know, it's those people over there, the, the pagan people. We're a Christian nation. We know better than, you know, carving a little god out of wood or stone and then carrying it around, you know. Because I've been in some of those restaurants, you know, they got a little Buddha with a candle burning. I would never carve a, a statue and light a candle and pray to it, <coughs> Catholics. Um, What does a Catholic do with the Ten Commandments? What do they do with the Second Commandment? I want to be real. I have a lot of friends who are Catholic, and they are praying to a statue. It is dead wood. It is stone. It can't hear. And they're talking to it, lighting candles to it. We're not idolatrous. We're not like those people. No, it's within churches that proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. They're breaking that. I drove by on the I only live a few blocks away from church. I was blessed by a couple Marys on the way. You know the ones in the bathtubs outside? <laughs> what are we doing? First, <laughs> God's serious when he says this, but we really need to examine our hearts, Okay. John Calvin said something that really has got me thinking over the years. He says that we are idol factories. In other words, we're really good at producing idols. We're always making idols. Think about that. And we're told here, nothing that is created. (laughs) Aren't you going to vote for so-and-so? He'll save us. He'll fix it all. He's not Jesus, and he's going to fail. Do you understand that? And what ends up happening when somebody fails us? Someone we once idolized, we end up demonizing. Why? Because they're not Jesus. They're not perfect. And to place a hope in any other for salvation than Jesus Christ alone is foolishness. Well, I idolize this. Packers win against the Jets, which they're going to do, right? I have no idea. They're just, it's the NFL, and who cares? They might and they might not. But having to sit and minister to a man because he's locked up in jail, because he beat his wife, because the Packers lost a stupid football game. You want to talk about idolatry? If we took the Jewish people and they had their festivals, And they would gather together and they would worship thousands upon thousands of people together. If we were able to put them in the DeLorean and time travel them to a Green Bay Packer game today. And they walked into this massive stadium. And people have their faces painted. All wearing the same thing. Chanting the same things. Go Pack, go. Do you think they maybe would say, hey, there's some worship going on here. There's some idol here being worshipped. You're kind of being 
a little strong here this morning, Pastor. I'm trying to be reasonable. It's easy for us to say, no, they are idolaters. But what do we do? Don't you know, Christian, that it's all about focusing on the family? How many Christians end up idolizing their family? Idolizing their spouse? And then when their spouse doesn't do what they expect them to do, when they come short, or they end up cheating or divorcing, life is over. What's there to live for now? Or the single person who just, man, all I want in life is to get married. That's when I'll finally find fulfillment. You guys see how easily we can start to idolize people and others? Even ourselves. I mean, if we're really going to talk about idol factories, the worst idol I think we have is self. My opinion is the only one that matters. Great God says this stuff. I don't really agree. Worship God? No. He's going to be the answer? No. Because I'm going to do it. I can take care of it. Isn't that every religion of the world, guys? Every religion, except for Christianity, says you're going to do something to save yourself. It doesn't work out. We're never going to be good enough. We can't do it. Drove by last night at the United Church of Christ over by the pantry. They got this little garden area. They got a labyrinth. Have you guys ever seen those? Those, those circles, you know? And it's just like you pray. And you walk around in circles, which is really pagan, by the way. And if we're drawing circles, and God, my idol here, <laughs> I want you to bless that. I want you to do that because that's what it's all about. That's, that gets dangerous. But the problem with the labyrinth is what, guys? It keeps getting smaller and small, smaller. And what they teach in that church is you're your own God. <laughs> if you want to find truth, you've got to look within. Okay? If you want to be enlightened, it's going to come from within. You are God. And you circle around and around and around until you find yourself centered. You're in the middle. You've come to an end, and you're left with yourself. These labyrinths are all over the place. This is practiced. And when you're left with yourself, you think keep turning into yourself is going to be the thing that helps you. You've bought into another lie of the enemy. If anything, those labyrinths should be backwards. <laughs> As the Christian, it's like, deny self, <laughs> get me out of self, because you know what? God needs to be the center of my life. He's the one that has the answers. And the more I deny myself, I pick up my cross and I follow him, that is life. That is abundant life. That is what God has called all of his creation to do. Because it is not about us. It's not about our kingdoms. It's about his kingdom. So the Bible is very clear and prohibits idolatry. So the core idea behind idolatry was provided in tangible representation of different deities upon the earth. 
And they would hope by, hey, if I worship this, then I'm going to maintain some type of favor. I will be blessed. That's what the Egyptians were into. Okay. Um, Paul rightly described the heart of idolatry as the worship of the things God created instead of the creator himself. Romans 1.25. That's idolatry. You know, I don't need church. I go outside in the woods. That's my church. You're worshiping creation. Do you understand? That's creation. But I go to church, so I'm doing it right because my church, really cool. Have you guys been in some of those really cool churches, like beautiful stained glass windows? Architecture is so cool, you know? When I'm at that building, I feel so close to God. Idolatry, okay? God is with you. You don't need a building. And if you're finding whatever in anything created, that's idolatry. You guys get that? Okay. Oh, boy. I could speak a whole lot more to that. You guys, we only have five minutes left. Chatty patties. Um, (laughs) We don't offer our worship to God or to anyone or anything but God, guys. That's the point. Oh, I could talk about that, too. Oh, we'll save that. Guys, we're going to be going through this again next week. Okay? There is so much I want to speak to. Um, yeah, so much I want to talk about. <laughs> we all worship all the time. You got to understand that. Every, even an atheist, someone that doesn't believe in God, they're worshiping something all the time. That's the way we've been created, to worship. But are we rightly worshiping God whom created us? Okay? So think about it for a second. Reasons not to worship idols. Okay, there's a lot of them. We'll talk about that next week too. Um, but the reality is we've been created in the image of God. Okay, um, let's turn to Colossians. Maybe we'll end with this. Sorry, I wanted to get to the Sabbath yet this morning. Uh, we'll deep dive next week and talk at length about that. You gals just went through your Friday morning study. Jesus is our Sabbath. Hebrews chapter 4 is what you studied through. You guys understand there there is a rest for God's people, but it's him. (laughs) It's all him. These first four commandments, it's all about him. He's the one who's worthy. Do you understand that? So we've been made in the image of God. And do you guys know that Jesus is the image of God? He is. Look at Colossians with me. Uh, In chapter 1, I love this passage of Scripture. We've been doing the Truth Project on Tuesday nights. You know, and we considered this this last week in verse 15. This is speaking of Jesus, okay? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Who created all things, guys? God. And it tells us here that who is God? Jesus. He created all things, right? And it also goes on to say here, um, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. Everything, guys. All things were created through him and for who? For him. We are a part of his creation. and We are here for him, right? And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. 
again, it's all about him. No other gods. <laughs> Don't bow down to anything created. Guys, it's all about him. We even get to use the Lord's name in vain. Dang, you guys are chatty. Uh, <laughs> you guys get it, though. It's all about Jesus. It is all about him. He is God. And that's where the truth will set us free. He is God. We have some Mormons that have been coming down to the pantry and helping out. The Mormons believe Jesus is just a God who got a planet. And this is Jesus' planet, but there's a lot of other gods with other planets. No, he is God. He is creator of all things. The Muslims, almost two billion upon this planet, they believe in Jesus. Do you guys know that? But he's just a prophet of their 124,000 prophets. Just one of many. And he's not even the greatest among the prophets because that's Muhammad. He's definitely not God. All right. We're skipping all that. I seriously got like through a quarter of our study this morning. Um, but I do want to conclude with two passages of Scripture, okay? Because as we consider over the next, well, I was planning on doing the Ten Commandments in two weeks. It might be five or six now. Um, <laughs> um, the law persuades everybody that they're sinners. Would you guys agree with me? That's biblical. I'm not just making that up. The Bible actually teaches us that, okay? Everyone falls short. We're all guilty, and everyone needs a Savior, Okay. You guys can take a look with me here. This is Galatians chapter 3. Okay. In verse 24 it says, Therefore the law was our tutor. Okay. Your translation might say schoolmaster. To bring us to Christ. It's going to be the law. Oh, we don't need the law today. It's all New Testament. It's all about love. It's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. It is about love. Because if he didn't love us, he ain't going to save us. Okay. <laughs> it is all about him. But we don't know that we need a Savior without the law. Okay? So important. When we're sharing with people, we need to let them know, hey, you're a sinner. That's the problem. Okay? There's some pretty bad news. Because you can't have good news without bad news, right? Would you guys agree with me? Yeah. Okay? We got the best news of all time. <laughs> but, oh, eh, I'm a good person. Great you believe in this Jesus. I don't really need him. I'm doing okay on my own. No, you're not. You've broken the commands of your creator, of God Almighty. So the law, we're told, is a tutor, a schoolmaster, who's going to bring us to Jesus that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we no longer need a tutor. Are we under the law anymore as Christians? No. We're in Christ. We've been set free. But if we're living in that newness of life, Walking with the Lord, that spirit-filled life, abiding in him. You're going to be doing what? Loving him, loving others. And guess what happens when you love him and you love others? You fulfill the law. It just happens. Isn't it cool? Like God's ways are so other than ours. Okay? Well, if it's not the law that's going to save me, what do I need to do? 
I'm so glad you asked, and this will be our last scripture for this morning. This comes from Romans chapter 10. You want to know how to be saved? It's pretty clear. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. We didn't get to it, but the third commandment is what, guys? Third commandment? Do not take the name of the Lord in vain. Guys, recall Matthew chapter 7, verses 14 and on. Many will say to me in that day, this is Jesus speaking, Lord, Lord, look at all that we did. We kept the law. We did it in your name, Lord. Even demons were cast out in your name. That's what we did. And what is Jesus going to say to those people? Depart from me, I never knew you. Do not take the name of the Lord in vain. We can give lift surface. Oh, I believe the gospel. I believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and what? Believe in your heart. That's what God sees. Do you truly believe it? Because we can play church. We can say all the right things. We can even do the right things. But do you believe in your heart? Do you truly believe that he is Lord and Savior? Because it says if you do believe in the Lord Jesus, that he really did die and that he really did rise from the dead. Did you guys catch it here? You will be saved. Do you believe that he is Savior? That he did fulfill the law? That his sacrifice took it was the perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins because we've fallen short and we need a savior. And if you truly believe that, guys, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And the scriptures say, Whoever believes. But, Pastor, you don't know how bad I sinned. I really broke the commandments. I didn't just do it in my heart. I did it. My Savior is a big Savior. His grace is greater than any of your sin. He is able to forgive every single sin, no matter what you have done. But do you believe what God says? Do you believe the gospel? That's between you and him. My fear is there are those who sit in church. And some of you may have been in church a long time and you think you're okay, but you're not even born again. Do you truly believe? And why is that my fear? How many of you guys know somebody? Oh, I've been going to church. I was raised in the church. I go to church every Sunday and then I got saved. Oh, I don't think I'm the only one that knows people like that all the time. Well, I was doing this. I was a member. I kept all the rules and the regulations. We're all sinners, guys. Even the best of us still have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we all need a Savior. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the need of the law, because it's just a mirror. I need a Savior, because I am sinful. So, Father, we are grateful for your word. We are so grateful that you chose to reveal to us truth, to reveal your ways, your commandments, and we know that they are good and they are right. 
They are so practical and so needed for this world. God, forgive us for our disobedience. Forgive us for when we think we know better than you. God, and I pray that you would reveal to each and every one of us if there's any that have not called upon your name, truly have believed in their hearts that you are Lord and confessed you, Jesus, as the only way to salvation. May they bow their knee today, God, and confess that to be true. We thank you for your love. Thank you so much for all that you have done, God. And thank you that you've written your law upon our hearts for us who believe. You've changed us, God. Help us to walk with you in the spirit. God, help us be quick to repent and keep turning back to you and trusting in you, trusting in your word. We've been created for you and your glory. So help us to do that. Help us to enjoy the freedom that we have in you, Jesus. God, the enemy wants to take us down. This world wants to enslave us. But you set us free. We thank you that the gospel, that you transcend all of this stuff, that you are so other and so different. There is wisdom to be had in your ways. Help us to walk in that. Give us that wisdom, Lord, to know, Father, how to step rightly, the doors to walk through, the answers to give, the way to love others, the way to love you above all. Lord, help us. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Only two minutes over. So, next week we're going to be in the love chapter. But your sisters are going to be at camp. And we know that you like 1 Corinthians 13. So next week, guys, we're going to try to finish the first four commandments, which I'm okay with because there's a few things I'd like to revisit in the first two. So keep memorizing the Ten Commandments. And you guys, be blessed in the Lord. He is good.